Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo, and hello everybody, Mike here. Welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we talk vintage cards week in, week out with some of the greatest collectors around. Mine's in the hobby. It's just fantastic. And we are finally, like everybody's breathing a sigh of relief. Finally, Mike's going to talk about something else after this week when he gets done with the Bowman run. And it's been a really uh, fun journey going through this. I have enjoyed all my guests, all the episodes, all the learning, all the the fun facts about, you know, 48 to 55 Bowman. And today, 1951 Bowman closes us out. This is, to me, such an important set in the hobby. And I am, I saved it intentionally till last because it's got some pretty key cards in it. I think it's one of those sets that is underappreciated a little bit, but you know, we're going to get into that because like always, we have somebody to discuss this with somebody that's putting together the set, the set, somebody that uh, I've known for uh, three or four years now. And it's another Mike who is known yeah. as baseball card life. Mike, welcome to the show. Uh, great to be with you again, sir. Yeah. Um, when were you on the show last? We've talked not obviously. not on this show, but but other gotcha. shows, right? Uh, or Hobby Palooza. Ah, yeah, the Palooza, which is coming up here in a couple of months. We'll be doing Hobby Palooza 2023, the fourth iteration awesome. of Hobby Palooza. It's like what? Uh, if you don't know what Hobby Palooza is, go look on Bench Clear Media. It is a uh, event we kind of host every year in preparation for the national and getting ready for that. So Mike, I'm excited to have you here. I know 51 Bowman is a set that you have a lot of uh, love for and respect for. This is just a great set. Uh, do you mind if I read? So <laughs> I'll tell the story, Mike, you know, we were going through the, he was going through the cardboard connection description and there were some things that they said in there that weren't quite accurate. And Mike was kind enough to give me a, more accurate version of what's on there. And, you know, week in, week out, I've been reading just a description to give you guys an idea of what this set's all about and the, the particulars of it. So let's do that right now. And then Mike and I will get going, analyzing everything and talking through it all. Few sets are more important in the hobby than 1951 Bowman Baseball. Boasting a checklist with 31 Hall of Fame players, including several rookie cards, the release helped usher in a new era of collecting. 1951 Bowman is a groundbreaking trading card product that is one of the most popular and valuable sets ever made. 1951 Bowman baseball set features color art reproductions of actual photos and consists of 324 cards. The 2 and 1 16th by 3 and 1 8 inches cards are the same width as the previous year, but slightly longer. 
This release is the crown jewel of the Bowman brand, thanks to rookie cards for Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays. Bowman produced baseball cards from 1948 to 1955. They were the only major brand card producer in 1950, but in 1951, Topps began producing cards, thereby creating a rivalry between the two that lasted for five years. In 1956, Topps bought out Bowman, Bowman and integrated the Bowman brand into their product offerings. There was a period of time between 1948 and 1952 when the Bowman Gum Company was the king of the trading card market. With meticulous attention to detail and a highly competitive nature, Jacob Warren Bowman, the owner and founder of the company, used his entrepreneurial spirit to build a successful trading card series. The 324 card set was the largest ever produced by Bowman and accounted for a large majority of the league from that season being immortalized on cardboard. Based on black and white photo uh, photographs that were then recreated in full color, the vibrant colors and realism of the depicted players helped 1951 Bowman stand out from competing brands. Other than the image, the only attribute on the card front is a white border, a thin black frame, and blackened text box with the player's name in white. 1951 Bowman card backs have little more to them, including several lines of basic stats and info, a lengthy bio, and a large ad at the bottom for the baseball picture cards. The card number is also noted. Additionally, the player's name in red makes it stand out against the rest of the text on the back. Primarily issued with vertical orientation, 45 of the cards, however, were printed horizontally, including two of the most significant cards in the set, the maze and the mantle. The product was issued in multiple series, and the high number series, cards number 253 through 324, are the most difficult to find. This includes both the maze and mantle cards. In addition, the two iconic rookie cards, or addition to the two iconic rookie cards, the checklist is loaded with marquee Hall of Famers, including Ted Williams, Yogi Berra, Roy Campanella, Pee Wee Reese, Duke Snyder, Warren Spawn, along with rookies of Whitey Ford and Nellie Fox. However, the impressive checklist still misses a few big names, including Stan Musial, Jackie Robinson, and Joe DiMaggio. While the pricing for the 53 Bowman Mantle and Maze prevents many collectors from completing the set, the rest of the 1951 Bowman set can be found for more affordable prices, especially in mid-grade. So that is the kind of outline of the set, my kind of the basics about it. Thank you for making that as accurate as we can provide to our viewers and listeners. Mm -hmm. What about this set is just attractive to you? What do you love about it? Well, I like visually every card in the set, for one. I also love uh, 50s baseball post-integration. Uh, a lot of the players uh, were part of the greatest generation, you know, served in World War II. It was the generation of my grandmother. Um, and just so, so much to learn about that era that, you know, we weren't alive then to know about it. So, you know, reading books and blogs and it's just – the depth you can go into the set is just incredible. It's so much more than, you know, just the cardboard that you collect. Yeah, no doubt. It is. It's one of my favorite sets in the fifties. No question. Mm -hmm. um, th at 324 cards though, it's a beast for the era. Like there's a lot mm -hmm. of cards in this set. 
52 tops would have, you know, 407 cards. So it would be even larger, but this set at the time was huge. And I, I actually like that. You know, we'd always, I think we'd all rather have more cards than less cards, you know, and compared to what I did last week with Jake doing 48 Bowman, you know, this is what five times bigger, six times bigger, you know, it's a much larger set. And, and I think that's again, a good thing. Um, what, when you look at this set and you think about just the basic design of it, what comes to mind? Do you like the design? Do you dislike the design? Yeah, overall, I, I love it. Um, uh, I don't, there's certain parts of like the backgrounds that they chose, say for the, the, the Willie Mays with the brown background, that's a bit confusing, but you know, overall with uh, pictures of the, the blue skies, like the mantle, um, I just, I just love it overall. Yeah. I like the sim simpleness of it, the simplicity of it. It is, uh, you know, again, just a picture with a text box with the player's name on it. That's it. Mm -hmm. And I, I like having the name on the front, honestly, more than, you know, 52 Bowman just has the script signature, you know, the facsimile signature. I'd rather have a printed name that I can actually read. Although their signatures were much better than the modern players. And a Absolutely. lot of them you could read, no doubt. But I'd rather just have the player's name. You know, there's no team logos. I think that would be cool. Uh, I think, of course, 52 Tops did that the next year so well, right? And from then on. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you don't even have position. You know, there's just some things that we think of that need to be on a baseball card that aren't there. But there's some, you know, awesomeness to the simplicity of it. Agreed? Yes, absolutely. So let's start going through some of the key cards because this set, as I mentioned, is chocked full of Hall of Famers. I mean, 31 Hall of Famers. Uh, I happen to have 21 of those. I'm missing 10. I was looking just before, and I'm missing some guys like – what's cool, I like they have – a some managers and coaches. I'm missing Bill Dickey, Frank Frisch, uh, Casey Stengel, all managers slash coaches from 51 Bowman. I'm missing the, the red card, uh, Phil Rizzuto, Feller, Slaughter, Boudreaux, uh, Pee Wee Reese, and Richie Ashburn as well. But I have a lot of others. And it, I mean, this set starts off with a bang, right? Boom. Mm -hmm. Card number one is the rookie card of none other than the chairman of the board himself, Whitey Ford. Uh, absolutely amazing that they started off with that. And, you know, he had played, I think, I'm trying to remember the story. He had played before, but had gone to the something. He was not in baseball and has this card in 19, or, or played in 51 and then didn't play for a couple of years or something like that. But great card of Ford. Um, I happen to have a PSA three. This is a pretty pricey card, actually, uh, for a lot of reasons. Obviously, card number one in any vintage set is going to be uh, more more condition sensitive because of the way cards were stored by our grandparents and our, yeah. you know, those people that collect the kids back in the day, the greatest generation, as they collected. They didn't exactly um, as they put cards in order, right? Rubber bands, shoe boxes, all that kind of stuff. So that card number one would get beat up quite a bit, and 
so finding a Ford in a higher grade is uh, expensive. It's a comma card. That's it's over a thousand dollars. Yeah, yep. definitely in the comma range. I picked mine up a couple years ago, I guess. I'm trying to remember, but uh, love that I finally had it. That was a card that it evaded from me for a long time. Uh, so I go card number two, right after card number one, card number two okay. is uh, Larry Barra. Yeah. We, you all may know him as Yogi uh, mm-hmm. Lawrence Barra, I should say. Uh, I love the background of it. Like he actually has a very cool background, very cool picture. It's just a portrait. Um, love that card. Any comments you want to throw in about the cards, feel free as we go. Uh, Robin Roberts, again, another nice portrait of him. Uh, jeez. Even, but see, mine are all like three, twos, threes, fours, and they, they look really good. I mean, my Robin Roberts is a two, you know, mm. it's like, okay, I'll take that. So these are those kind of cards like we've talked about before that kind of the smaller the dimensions, right? The more yeah. uh, you can get away with some things, I think, condition-wise. It just doesn't take away aesthetically from the look of the card. Uh, newer Hall of Famer, Gil mm-hmm. Hodges. Uh, I've got that one. So yeah, how- you're, looking at, you're looking at corners aren't, aren't that big of a deal on lower grades. You're going to notice definitely centering, uh, the wax stains on the back. Then there's like the printer lines that you'll see. That's that's a very common common issue. Registration, which means like the card is out of focus. That's another big, uh, you know, if you're looking to to buy any of these cards, those are some things you need to look at. Which will yeah, the the staining on the back is incredibly common. In fact. Mm-hmm. I don't even know that most of the grading companies, PSA, SGC, discount for that. It's so expected that it almost doesn't hurt the grade of the card because, yeah, of course it's going to have staining. It's a 51 Bowman. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's incredibly common. So to find, especially key cards, without staining, is is you can usually get a premium. You'll see premiums on those cards if the back's not stained. Um, yeah, and, and part of the reason for that is that when this set was distributed, there were it was there was two types of packs. There was penny packs, and each of the packs have you know wax to close the pack, which would you know uh, stick all on the back of the actual card. And then there were uh, five cent packs, so you get six cards for five cents. So six cards. That's for why you. there's so many. That's why there's so many uh, wax stains on the backs of each of the cards. I have a few nickels that I'd buy some packs. If anybody has any out there, I'll, yeah, I'll take yeah. them for, for That's a nickel a piece. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's funny. We'd all go back and we'd buy stores out if we could, if we could have our DeLorean, you know, mm-hmm. and people would go back to great moments in history. I'd go back and <laughs> buy baseball cards yep. uh, back when they were being sold yeah. on the rack. So if you find a card or own one that doesn't have wax stain on the back, that means that it came out of a nickel pack. Yeah, so here's one. Uh, I wonder if I have one. Let's see if I have one that's pretty prominent with the staining because it's, it's not difficult. I mean, you can see it insta- like at the top. Usually there's yeah, a stain along the top and, and or the bottom. Um, sometimes both. But like I've got this Campanella. Again, only a three. And I say it's that beautiful. Sarcastic, sarcastically. <laughs> 
the campy card is so fantastic, right? Because he's throwing off mm-hmm. his face mask. There's this random person they drew in the stands behind him, and you're like, "Yeah, who's that guy? What's he doing there?" You know, uh, just a great card of Campy. Uh, the Snyder's our first horizontal card of the the show off here. But I don't know. Do you like the horizontals or the verticals better, or does it matter to you? Um, it doesn't really matter. I have a few that are my favorites, like this uh, Thurman Tucker. Yeah. And just the, how great the painter did with all the fans in the background. It's just amazing to me. So that's, it's, he's a common, he was a center fielder for the Indians. And then this is the photo that they used. Okay. I love that they're able to, with that aspect ratio change, right? From (laughs) vertical to horizontal, you can get more. Of a, of a panoramic view, right? You can get mm-hmm. that, that longer image. If that was on a vertical card with the cards being so thin already, you know, they're not wide, mm-hmm. really wide, normal sized cards. And so to get a shot like the Snyder or the Tucker, where you get the whole bat, you get everything in it. Like think if this card was vertical, right? You'd be cutting off the bat of the Duke Snyder or the Tucker, right? You couldn't get it all. You couldn't incorporate that entire moment unless you did them horizontally. So I, I think it's cool. Uh, George Kell. So this uh, this card itself has a good story. I bought this at the National uh, two years ago. Uh, at And it was, you know, the card boom was happening. And so many cards were going for a lot of money. And this guy had this, this, guy had a, this card, 51 Bowman, George Kell, Hall of Famer. 15 bucks, PSA four. I would have bought it on the spot. And I had the gall to ask him if he'd take $10. And he said, yes. And so I couldn't get my $10 out fast enough. Like, sure, I'll take a 51 Bowman Hall of Famer for $10. Thank you. Slabbed up, ready to go. Uh, I love stories like that. I love finding stuff like that. Johnny Mize on the Yankees. Um. You know, what I what I notice about the differences between twos, threes, and fours, and then fives, I don't have a ton of kind of that mid to upper grade stuff, but the white's just a little bit sharper. That, you know, it's not as, I'll use the word dirty, but, and that's probably true on a lot of them, but that it's literally dirty, but the white's just brighter. It stands out more. Uh, the corners are certainly uh, better. Centering, though, you can still, again, find some, I'll call them grimy cards that are well-centered that come out threes, you know. There's a Bob Lemon, great Indians pitcher, followed by another great Indians pitcher, early win. Mm-hmm. But see, you can really tell the centering. Like, when these are off-center, like this one, it really stands out. This one's pretty bad top to bottom. But there is still a border at the top, which is, it's, it's just not much there. Yeah, if you get like 30 70 or worse that's that's when you can really notice i feel like yeah it starts that's kind of my cutoff point if it's worse than 30 70 i'm looking for something else so as you're building the set so you're building the complete set correct raw form or or a mix uh it's going to be graded once it's once i can i have over half the set right now so and about 60 singles yeah, yeah. Just one at a time I, kind of thing? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. What, what's your go-to place for picking up 51 Bowman's? Where do you like to shop it? Uh, eBay mostly. That's where, okay. that's where they are. Um, some auction sites. I've gotten a few off the auction sites, but mostly um, eBay the last year or so. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. So eventually, once you build the set, you're going to grade the whole set. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a little story behind that and why I want to do that. There's um, a lawyer, I can't remember the gentleman's name, who a few years ago took his whole T206 set and and displayed it at the Detroit Art Museum and with the Wagner and every everything. And it was just on display. And I thought that was incredible. There's uh, so it really inspired me, like, you know, that that large of a set. I can't do to do the T206. This is way too much. Let me try this this set and just do, you know, just do them all graded and uh, eventually put them on display in my house and maybe take it to a card show or something like that in the future and just show it off and talk to collectors and share that, you know, with patience and time, you can do some amazing things in this hobby. And you've talked a, a lot about that on this podcast over the last couple of years. So it's been that, about a three, three years. Um, I've been working on yeah. this and about half, a little over halfway done now. So that's incredible. <laughs> the vision of that, I'm thinking of the whole set, like it's going to take up a whole wall, especially in slabs, right? Cause slabs are way bigger. Yeah. It's probably twice the area of the card itself. And so you're going to need a lot of wall space. Has your wife approved this decision? That's the question. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. I love it. Um, another great Hall of Famer in this set, Warren Spawn. He's got that high leg kick happening on this card. It's just mm -hmm. awesome. The you know, looks like he's throwing up against or up out on the outfield wall, kind of thing, warming up for a game or something. Uh again, we saw the Campanella. Uh, there's some, again, key Negro League players that have cards in the set. Larry Doby is one of those. Great player. The Ted Williams is a great card. What's the difference? Do you know what the difference is between this Ted Williams and the 1950 Bowman Ted Williams? Well, the 50 is smaller and it's right. more crunched together. Um, the backs are different. Okay. Um, if you'll notice in the 50 Bowman, there are no clouds in the sky. Oh, I didn't. didn't but miraculously that. in 51 Bowman, okay, clouds appear in the back of the image. So it, it's always, I always laugh when I put those two cards next to each other. Cause I'm like, this is hilarious. Um, mm -hmm. But love the Ted Williams, another great Negro league star, major league star, Monty Irvin. And this is in a five. It's got a weird, you can probably see it on video way better, but you see that print dot right between mm -hmm. the first and last name. I would have thought that would detract from the grading, but otherwise very sharp card. Very uh, hard to find that one centered too. And you have a great copy that's centered. So oh, I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. I thought they were all hard to find <laughs> well centered, but there's probably, you're right. Depending on where they were on the sheet, right. And how, mm -hmm easy it was to cut uh hall of fame manager billy southworth has a card in this set mm -hmm. uh 
So we already saw one of the rookies. You got the Billy. You got an eight. Holy moly. Yeah, he's uh he's buried about ten miles from my house in oh, really? Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. He uh grew up here. Uh, yep. So there's again four pretty critical rookies in the set. I already showed you the Ford. The other one besides the two biggies is the Nellie Fox rookie. Mm -hmm. uh, again, a young Nellie Fox never looks young in any picture, but he does in his 51 Bowman. Everything else, he looks old before his time. You know, he looks like this old grizzly statesman kind of guy. Uh, Nelson Fox. I love it. Uh, another Hall of Fame manager in the set is Leo DeRocher. And then Bucky Harris. So towards the end, they, it's like they ran out of players and they started adding all these managers and coaches. You got Al Lopez as a manager. Yep. So the managers are actually split up evenly. There's oh, eight managers in the low series and eight in the high series. Okay. And also uh, there's a player who was also a manager named Phil Cavaretta. He was uh -huh. a manager and a player in 51, but it doesn't say manager on the back of the actual card. It just says first base and outfield. So Phil Cavaretta played. So if there's 16, I guess. It's 17, uh, really, with, with with Phil. Yeah. So we, we've talked about kind of all the whole – we're going to get to the two big cards in a little while, but who's this set missing? We've already mentioned a few of them in the open. Who would you add? Who would you love to see in this set that's not currently in it, Mike? Well, I've gone through all the the rosters on the in baseball in 1950 and 51, and I found them all. It would be uh, Bobby Doerr from the Red Sox, Jackie Robinson, Dodgers, of course, Dick Williams. He doesn't have a card. Brooklyn Dodger, Joe DiMaggio, Yankees, Minnie Minoso. He played in eight games with the Indians in 1951. Satchel Page doesn't have a card. He was on the St. Louis Browns. He had uh, played 23 games, I think. Hal Newhauser with the Tigers. He played in 17 games in 51. There's also a, there could be a coach card of Honest Wagner in the set because he was a coach with the Pirates in 51. There's also could be a Charles Chief Bender card in this set because he is a pitching coach with uh, Philadelphia Athletics. And uh, lastly, I think, well, this card is missing another Hall of Famer. I feel like it would have been amazing if they'd have made a tribute card of Mr. Connie Mack, because he finished his run of, from like 1901 to 1950, you know, being the long you know, manager for years and years and years and years. So I would have loved to have seen like a, a tribute card made for him but. that would have been very cool the the mm -hmm. card i wish they made out of all of those if i had to pick one it would be the dimaggio because that would have been his last year mm -hmm. you know, his last season was 51 so i think that would have been a trip fitting tribute i mean dimaggio doesn't have any bowman cards ironically later he's a spokesperson he's on the packaging for bowman mm -hmm. uh down the road but no bowman cards at all for dimaggio and that's Kind of sad, you know, he has his 49 leaf, he has some Gaudi cards, uh, some play ball stuff, but no Bowman's. And I that just always, I'm like, ah, oh, that's a shame 
because those would be awesome cards, right? Yeah, absolutely. It would just take this this set to an, another complete stratosphere level, just having those Hall of Famers. That's been a common theme. If you've listened to all these episodes out there, guys, when we talk about this section about who's missing, and if you if you kind of did what Mike did and run down, man, all these players were in the league, right? Mm-hmm. At, at mm-hmm. some point, in some way, why aren't they in the set? And how great that each set, you could say that about a lot of these sets, that if, oh, if only these people were in it, it would have been just crazy good, right? If 54 Bowman had Aaron and Banks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and K-Line in it, how great would that set be as well? compared to the tops. And maybe that was the beginning of the end for Bowman as they weren't getting these key cards. And as players began to develop and their careers began to blossom, the kids are collecting those cards and they're like, yeah, Bowman, you know, tends to miss on some of the great rookies of their time of the, of that particular year. But they got two right, Mike, they got two really right. And that's of course the mantle and the maze. Where do you think those two cards should rank or do rank in hobby history and lore? For baseball cards only or yeah. for the okay. baseball cards only top, top, cards overall, but top 25 cards of all time. Both of them. See, I, I'd put them even higher probably. Um, I'd put them both in the top 10 of baseball cards all time in terms of significance you know uh, popularity right Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's funny that the maze rookie almost commands more respect than the mantle rookie because the mantle 52 top so overshadows in popularity and just people you know even very novices in the hobby know the 52 tops mantle and a lot of them unfortunately, think that's his rookie card. It's even described by dealers as Mantle's rookie card a lot. And uh, it just boggles my mind because it's it's probably the biggest myth that just keeps percolating within the hobby. Um, but the Maze card, everybody kind of, oh, 51 Maze is his rookie. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has a 52 tops as well, right? So it's not like Maze doesn't have one. Um but I, I think these cards are incredibly significant within the hobby. And the maze, let's talk about the maze first, because it's, as you said, it's this weird, like, is he hitting in front of a tree? Is he standing in front of a, mm-hmm. you know, tan canvas of some kind? We don't know, but there's there's a little sliver of a house, it looks like almost, behind him. Uh, have you, do you know the picture of this card? Like where that came from? Yeah, I have it over in my bookcase over there, but yeah. What is the, when you look at the whole picture, what is it showing? Oh goodness. Or did they add, did they add that? They added the Brown in the back. It's okay. Yeah. Gotcha. No, I was just kidding. If I'd have known and had a second, I could, I could find it, but. That's all right. We're on a podcast. Most people listen to this on podcasts. (laughs) Okay. But, yeah, that's interesting to think that that was added in. I wonder why. Um, 
but it's still a great card. I mean, at the end of the day, the Maze Rookie is is a horizontal card. Uh, the Maze and the Mantle are both horizontal, and yep. because they're both you know getting ready to hit, right? And uh, if you look on the back of the card, it says age twenty. That's the only card in the whole set that doesn't have like a birthday. Uh, it just says it does just say age twenty mm -hmm. in parentheses. Ironic. Yeah. Yeah, and that's obviously pretty young for a player, but actually uh, Mickey Mantle was the, the youngest player in the whole set. Really? Mm -hmm. Now you got me pulling out the mantle. Yeah, it'll say uh, 10, 20, 31. Yeah, October 20th, 1931. Mm -hmm. So the Maze card to me has significantly grown in value, which in terms to me, which translates to me in terms of appreciation, people wanting, desiring this card. Uh, over the last three or four years, it's really kind of taken off. The pandemic helped this card significantly because I think people went, whoa, that's a big card. It should probably be worth more, right, mm -hmm. than it is. Um, I have a PSA 2 that I bought in... 2019 18, National. 18, 2019, there you go. I was trying to remember. Uh, yeah. Think I paid sixteen? No, I know I paid sixteen hundred dollars for fourteen hundred dollars, sixteen hundred dollars. Uh, lots of people would do that today, right? If yeah, they, you could triple your money, I think, on that card if you yeah, needed to. I could. Uh, it's a PSA two, but it's a nice looking two. Um, little, yep. certainly some centering issues, but overall, to me, uh, and I've talked about this a bunch, but the registration of the card is the most important thing to me. Of everything, if it, everything else is not great, but the registration's good, I'll, I'll consider the card um, because that's what the card's for. And when a card comes off center or miscut a little bit, it came out of the pack that way, right? So it's not mm -hmm. like somebody did that to the card or it became that way. It was made that way. Uh, not ideal, but high grades of this card are getting really, really expensive. Do you have the maze yet? I do not, unfortunately. Okay. It's one of the, I kind of wanted that one to be the last. Okay. Um, like uh, many other folks want to put their, their favorite card to be the last one to get, you know, to build a set. And that's, that's my, that's, that's the one for me over, even over the mantle. That's, that's my, really my dream card. Well, let's talk about the mantle. It is to me, an incredibly beautiful baseball card. Like I just look at it and I think how beautiful the blue is contrasting his Jersey, the awesome Navy blue Yankees hat that he's wearing. Uh, it's, it's, it just puts the focus right on Mickey, you know, cause the blue is just kind of just in the background. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I've loved this card for so long. It was one of those cards that I thought was very underappreciated in the hobby. I thought it was the man, the 52 mantle just seemed to have so much more uh, emphasis put on it. And I was like, wait a second. That's not even as, I mean, really like, why isn't, why isn't the 51 Bowman mantle have the same allure in the hobby as the 52 tops? How would you answer that? If somebody asked you that question? <sighs> I don't think they're educated enough about the hobby. <laughs> okay. That's that's my opinion. 
Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. And not that the 50, I've said this a bunch, the 52 tops is a great card. Absolutely great card. And it's promoted so much more. It's on covers of magazines. It's all over the news. Right. It's just, wow, so many people know that picture of the 52 Mantle more than the 51 Bowman by far. Yeah. And I, I love them. Again, it's not a, I don't like the 52 tops. I just don't understand why that card has so much more interest in it, you know, overall in the hobby than the 51 Bowman. But I think that's gaining. I think that's kind of shifting a little bit. It's not overwhelming. You know, people aren't going, ah, yeah, 52 top sucks. I'm buying the 51 Bowman. That's not what's happening. But there's definitely more people realizing and, and coming to understand, wow, this is a really great card. It's his first card, period. Let, that's one we need to also have. If we're, if we're chasing the 52 tops, we really need to chase the 51 Bowman. And so that card saw significant growth with, through the pandemic years as well. Uh, but that's, it's come down quite a bit, actually, uh, from where it was at the peak. And so the, the gap between mantle prices same grade and maize prices has has started to shrunk why to me there's an argument out there that maize was a better player than mantle and i think that's a if you looked at their overall career probably true maize had a better career than mantle did uh who is a better player maize five tool guy mantle five tool like they were both great I mean, it's, it's like going, you know, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? I like all of them, you know, they're all good, but. Maze got, and, I mean, Mantle got hurt. Like one of yeah, 51, he riddled with injuries, 51. Yeah. yeah 51 World Series. Really, Trips on yeah. a sprinkler, right. Tears his knee up. Yeah. Uh, so he had that plaguing him his entire career. Maze played relatively healthy throughout his career. Maze's career was interrupted by military service. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, Overall, let, let's go with Mays was a better player. And there's going to be people writing comments like, of course, Mays was a better player. And okay, I'll, I'll go with that. Um, then why is Mantle's card worth so much more? Even though the gap is shrinking, it's still worth significantly more than Mays's. Mantle's been the darling of the hobby for decades. Uh, being in New York City his whole career, you know, after 57, Mays went out to, to California. So that kind of sp- may have split his fan base a little bit there. And uh, that's that's it for me. Yeah, I think. You know, the hobby was in New York City and Brooklyn with Tops yeah. and Philadelphia is where Bowman was. So that's that's part of my theory. Mantle is the no question, no doubt about it goat of the hobby period paragraph Mm -hmm. discussion ends there the why of that is i think huge new york factor huge success they were really really good during his tenure with the yankees uh they won a lot of world series and so that certainly helped he was incredibly talented and i think there is whether spoken or unspoken some bias towards Mays because he was black and that's not really fair. You know, um, Mays was a better player, uh, but there was d- just in that 
the the children of that era, right? When they wanted mm-hmm. to collect the player, there were plenty of kids of all races that loved Willie Mays, no question. But it wasn't the same as Mantle. It just wasn't, you know. And again, I think that's being the the hobby market is Mays stuff is really coming on. Clemente, Jackie, right? A lot of these Negro League greats that that went into the majors are they're getting appreciated within the hobby a lot more now than they might have 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. Right. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's about darn time, I guess is yeah. how I would answer that just justifiably. So, right. How good were they as a player period? Right. That's all that should matter. Mm-hmm. Right. Period paragraph, but mantle is now, and I think will always be the goat of the hobby. He, he is, he just, you see a mantle card and you, I don't know, it's just something it evokes some type of emotion to people. It's, it's a powerful thing. So again, I don't, I don't think Mays's rookie will ever catch the mantle. I think they can get close, closer to one another. And I think they will over time. It's just that, you know, wow. Mays and Mantle, both pretty great, both in this set, you know, uh, that's, and to have that one-two punch, how cool is it to have both of those rookies of, you know, two of the greatest players of all time, and certainly of that era, the two greatest players of that time, right? Both having mm-hmm. their rookie cards in this set. That's just, I think it's great. I think it's so cool. Any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I've just been studying this set for for three or four years now. And I just, the fifties and the sixties, I just don't see a set that, well, it doesn't have those iconic rookie cards and you know, what did it, it start in the seventies and eighties rookies became more of a big deal in the hobby. So it's, uh, it's really magnified the significance of the set. Plus, you know, having the high numbers, which really, it's harder to find nice examples, especially for, for higher numbers. I mean, finding a, an eight of a high number centered is like, this one is, I can tell you, it's really, really hard to find. There's less than 20 of them graded most, you know, eight, nines and tens. So it's, uh, I just love, I just love the set. It's hard to <laughs> explain, you know, just the, the time and how I've, I've, just grown to love it so much. So when you're hunting for cards in the set, is, it, is there a certain condition you're looking for? Are you looking for sevens and eights in these cards? If if I can afford the common, yeah, I'll get it. This is a this is a high numbered eight of okay. Ken Holman, and you wouldn't even know this guy, but he uh, signed with uh, Stan Musial and played in the minors with Stan Musial. Okay, the same same agent. You know, obviously wasn't didn't have his career, but yeah, it's uh, just the challenge of, of finding nice examples is uh, is what I love. I'm a competitive person. So so if I was to throw water on this set, we, we've just been singing its praises for the last 43 minutes. But if I was to throw water on this set at all, it would be it feels like a 1950 Bowman redo. Right. Oh, let's just use the same photographs and for most of the players. And there we go. Uh, how many players do you know? How many players there are essentially just 
copycat cards from 1950 Bowman? Yeah, I, I looked. There's 111 that have the same front card images from 50 and 51. And Didn't there's that feel lazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's like, oh, couldn't you do something different? Like, why just give us, you know, rinse and repeat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so how many? 111. So that's a third of the set, essentially. Yeah, 34%. Yeah. I'm a numbers guy like you. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can do that kind of higher math in my head. But uh, the backs of the cards are, because they're a little bit larger, right, than 50 Bowman, they could get a little more information on mm-hmm. the back. Uh, you got the card number, you got the name, right, positions. Um, you want to talk about any of that from the back of the cards? Yeah, the, the formatting is just all over the place. Like your yeah. mace is age 20, and then there's certain dates, and and it's just very inconsistent. There's a, The most common uh, position name is uh, pitchers. There's 121 pitchers and like 71 infielders and 30 catchers. So there's all kinds of just different, you know, names for what positions they played. So that, that's kind of confusing, and I've broken that down, but I won't, you know, bore <laughs> the audience with, with all of that. But, yeah, it's it's kind of confusing, and I'd wish they'd thought this out more. Even the, if you look at the 48 Bowman set on the back, it's, it's very, like, all over the place, too, with uh, dates and weights and things like that. You mean 49 Bowman. Sorry, I had to correct you. Oh, uh, 48 Bowman is – also or 48 bowman i'm sorry i said 48 i would say leaf in my brain but not 48 yep sorry you said bowman and i didn't i heard leaf so yeah and uh there's like nine errors on the back um they didn't correct any of the errors in the set so there's no corrected errors at all so people are looking for for that they didn't correct any cards at all okay so so you mentioned some of the condition issues that this set has as you've been building it what do you find are the most prevalent things is when people are, if they're looking for these cards and they want to go out and buy them, the, the things they should really keep on the lookout for. Yeah, I wrote it down. Wax stains on back, the printed roller lines on the front of the card, uh, front image registration. That's a, that's a big thing. Centering. The card isn't exactly cut square. It can kind of be a little bit off and you'll uh, see like front card image, like defects, like little, little dots and how I've kind of figured this out. just kind of a tip. If you study like the, the nicest examples you can find online, like through like psacard.com and just look at the nines and the eights, you can kind of compare is this dot on a really nice example that I can't afford. So you can kind of just compare and contrast, you know, the amazing example to the four or five that, you know, you can buy. So that's definitely something I suggest people do if they want to, you know, build a set. And the universal truth is different things matter to diff- to people differently. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, again, you may be okay with a blurry card. I, okay. <laughs> um, or, yep. but if it has nice centering or, you know, so many people centering is their number one thing. Uh, I, okay. You'll, you'll pay a little more obviously for well-centered cards and that's just kind of the way that that goes, but just learn what you can live with. Look at different examples. Like you said, I think it's important 
especially with this set to be patient and not just buy one to buy one, you know, hopefully you can compare, compare and contrast multiple very, you know, different versions of the card and go, okay, I, I like this one better. And I'm going to go ahead and go for that one for my collection. Cause you know, you want a card you're happy with and you're proud to, to own. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I would say registration is probably the, the biggest thing for me, just like you. Uh, so I would look for cards that have good registration. I mean, you're not going to find perfectly centered examples very often at all. I mean, I've been looking daily for over three years on eBay, literally every day, multiple times a day, and, and in auctions all over the place. It's just really, really hard to find. So, so I get it. You just have to learn what to put up with. So was this set released? When When do you, based on your research and what you've looked for, when do you think this set was released in 51? It wasn't. What I know for a fact is it wasn't released before June 15th of 1951, either series. And the reason for that is that um, there's a card 229 of Bill Howerton. He's a low number. He was uh, traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates on June 15th. And on the back of the card, it says Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay. And and also there's a high number to Frank Overmeyer, who was traded to the Yankees. And it says Yankees on the back, but he's in a Browns uniform on the front. So it had to have been printed after June 15th, which is, you know, a third of the way through the baseball season. The baseball season started, I think, April 16th of 1951. So they've, they played a lot of games. Right. So, so yeah, half the I don't know why they waited so long. I mean, maybe that's because the kids were getting out of school for summertime at that time. I'm not really sure. So what I know this is a like a lot of sets. This is a set that's had a reprint done, like a, a pretty high quality reprint. Um, when was that done? 80, I think 85 was okay. done by the uh, collector's company. In uh, New York City, it was a dealer. And, uh, yeah, you definitely need to be aware of, you know, if you're looking to build this set, to not buy a reprint on accident. And you can really tell because the card, for one, is bigger. Two, the card is has a glossy finish on it. And a three on the back, it, on the bottom, under where it says picture cards, it's hard to see here, but it says reprint. So... Actually, it says 1986, so it was reprinted in 1986. Okay. So Yeah, be on the lookout for that. Mm -hmm. As we finish up here, Mike, is there more stuff that you're eager to learn about this set? Yep. Um, I would love to know if there's anyone still alive that worked at Bowman, you know, there in Philadelphia in the 40s and 50s. I mean, they're, they'd have to be probably in their 90s, but maybe they're out there or... Uh, Maybe the grandson or the son of a worker there has some stories. And I'd love to interview someone who, like, my mom worked there, you know, in 49. I mean, that'd be that'd be really cool. Oh, my gosh. Talk about the treasure trove of information. If they could remember it. Let's hope they could remember Yeah, they can remember it. Yep. Also, Maybe. I, yeah, also this year I've started uh, researching uncut sheets and how they printed the cards. Uh, I've looked on all kinds of Googles, everything, and auction sites, and then I have not found like a complete 
cheat that isn't, you know, have a bunch of print marks on it that you can't tell what it is. Uh, so how yeah, cards, so what I've been. How many cards were on a sheet? Thirty-two. Well, I think the 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 sheets were eight across. Okay. And um, like the high numbered series are seventy-two, so it'd be eight by nine. So one and sheet. What I, get them all. What I started place. doing is going on um, eBay and looking for really horribly cut cards, like this uh, Bob Feller. And you can see how. There's a guy on the top. Well, that guy is, you know, George, George here. So you can kind of puzzle piece it together. And this is uh, Bill Rigney. And on the bottom, that is uh, Warren Spawn. Okay. So this is like 2% Warren Spawn card, which right. is kind of cool. And I'm just, I'm just kind of proving, you know, it's hard to show them all, but I'm just puzzle piecing it together to prove that this is how the set was was put together on an uncut sheet. So that's Got kind it. of a long-term kind of, you know, research project that I'm working on. So if anybody has, you know, any more information on that, you know, leave comments definitely down in the description of this video or email Mike and he'll get a hold of me. So. Well, Mike, that was fun. Again, I love going through these cards. It's, it's again. Yeah. To me one of the key sets of the 50s it's such a great set mainly because of the mantle and maze but overall it's just a gorgeous set it's fantastic uh before i let you go tell everybody where they can find you on social media and and ask you questions if they want or anything like that i'm on twitter uh you know just this baseball card life on twitter and i'm like this baseball card life on youtube which is how we kind of got connected a few years ago so yeah well, awesome. Mike, thanks so much for joining me and, and talking through this with me. I was excited to do this episode and, and one, cause I love the set and two, I'm ready to talk about something else other than Bowman cards, but thanks for helping me close it out with a bang. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you guys out there for always, as always watching, listening, all that fun stuff. And Hey, as always keep collecting. We'll talk to you soon.